It's Nescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, we rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I am Chase Keys. And I'm Emmy Zero. And uh, yeah, uh, I uh, I am zombified. I am sitting here with my rotting limbs and uh, just just noshing on some brains. Just, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to spare you all the, the sound of that. Uh, you know, cause I know nobody likes to hear somebody eating on a podcast. That's a whole thing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, just, just know. I, I, I do hate to say this, but, um, that brain you're eating that used to belong to one of my neighbors. Um, it, I don't know. I, I think it's a little tacky to eat a guy's neighbor right in front yeah, of him on the podcast. I know, but, I, I you know, know, I didn't have anything else and it's, uh, you know, it's just so tasty and, you know, uh, you know, so yeah, uh, zombies ate your neighbors. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, that's how it goes sometimes. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, actually, you know, now that I think about it, pretty sure the guy was a Republican. So actually, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, um, we got some games to to finish out September 1993 with. And uh, I'm excited. I think these are some cool games. Uh, we already alluded to one, but uh, what have we got, Chase Keys, for the uh, the final episode of September? We have got Wing Commander, The Secret Missions, World Heroes, and, of course, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. All right, cool. Well, um, what do you say we get into it? And uh, I think we've got some stuff to say about all of these. So uh, what do you say we just jump right on in? Uh, as if we are, are jumping over a hedge on a trampoline uh, to get some soda pop cans. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, let's uh, strap into our cockpits and um, and and blow up some cats. That ooh, that 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 sounds different in in uh, the year of our Lord twenty twenty two or well twenty twenty three. By the time you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, now that the internet basically is all cats, uh, all the time. I wonder if if they had known that, would they have not made the the antagonists of Wing of the Wing Commander series cat people? But anyway, we are talking about Wing Commander: The Secret Missions. That's right. We're we're back in Wing Commander land. Uh, this is this is uh, a continuation, essentially, of the the original Wing Commander that we have already played and talked about on the show. Uh, what do we have uh, to say about about this one? What's the what's the story on Wing Commander: The Secret Missions? Well, well, the story of Wing Commander: The Secret Missions is this was uh, initially a a um, an expansion pack to Wing Commander on the computer systems that it was on. Uh, this comes to us from publisher Mindscape, uh, who we've talked about before, and Origin Systems, who I, I do not know if we did a, a deep dive on them uh, back when we talked about the original Wing Commander, but uh, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit here. Um, so uh, the, the, the origin of Origins, you could say, uh, uh, starts with a, a guy named Richard Garriott who had uh, found some success with his games Ultima and Ultima 2, which was being published by uh, Sierra Online back in the day. However, uh, Garriott and Sierra would have a falling out due to payment disputes. So rather than rely on another company to publish his games, Richard, along with his brother Robert, father Owen, and fellow programmer uh, Chuck Boucher, 
hope I'm pronouncing that right, sorry Chuck, uh, would just create their own company to publish the titles themselves, and thus, in 1983, Origin Systems was founded, uh, and Richard would publish many more Ultima titles under that company. Uh, and as well as uh, Ultima, he would go on to do Wing Commander and uh, a whole lot of other games, some of which we'll touch on here uh, as the company grew. And the company did grow so much, in fact, that they got the attention of Electronic Arts. And in 1992, Electronic Arts would acquire the company and uh, they would continue making Ultima and Wing Commander games uh, with uh, Origin as a uh, as a studio under EA's uh, uh, conglomerate of uh, various video game studios. <laughs> Uh, One very notable game that uh, is probably worth pointing out is System Shock, which, of course, would spin off into the Bioshock series uh, uh, much later on. Uh, EA also released the very successful MMO Ultima Online, which was so successful that EA decided to have Origin focus exclusively on online games and canceled all of Origin's other projects. And that made Garriott mad, and he ended up leaving the company at that point. Uh, Garriott would form another company, Destination Games, in the year 2000. Origin would be disbanded by EA in 2004. And uh, EA would end up acquiring Mythic Games, who would end up managing Ultima Online from 2006 to 2014, and would then hand it off to Broadsword, who still manage the MMO to this day. And, um, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the origin story, I might say. Okay. And of course, uh, Wing Commander itself is not really the product of, of Garriott himself, of Garriott. He's, he's sort of the, the overall owner of origin systems, but Chris Roberts, uh, and Warren Spector were kind of the main, uh, uh, mm-hmm. people who are specifically responsible for for Wing Commander itself. Uh, Chris Roberts, uh, who you all know and love from Star Citizen, which uh, will never come out. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think we talked about that last we, time. I'm sure when, did. When I'm, we sure, we, I'm sure we did. Uh, I mm-hmm. think we spent I had a whole digression about Chris Roberts and all of that. But, um, you know, it's never it's never not fun to mention the the biggest, wildest uh, uh, I, I guess you'd call it a Ponzi scheme in video games, uh, that is still going on to this day. So yeah, uh, we got some, yeah, uh, he and Tommy Tellerico are going to team up to make some NFTs that's, next. That's right. That's right. It's going to be <laughs> super good. Everyone's going to love them. Uh, yeah. and yeah, um, Warren Spector, far as I know, still doing fine. Uh, so yeah, um, but but yeah, so uh, Wing Commander, we talked in pretty good detail about what it is and uh, how it works and how it works specifically on the Super Nintendo uh, back when we talked about, you know, original flavor Wing Commander. And this being an expansion pack, none of that's really different. Um, you know, the graphics are the same. Controls are the same. It is fundamentally more of the same game here. To the extent that if you look at the instruction manuals for both of them, uh, aside from some flavor text about the the new storyline in this one, uh, they are essentially the same manual, which is good because it's a very comprehensive, uh, very, very descriptive manual that is basically necessary for the playing of this game because it explains all the controls, which are very involved. And uh, importantly, they do a thing that uh, is is sort of necessary when you have a thing that was originally a keyboard game 
that you're trying to cram onto a Super Nintendo controller, which is if you hold down the select button, every single other button on the controller has a secondary function it will perform. So you do need to know that to play this game uh, to the extent that I think they should tell you that in the game itself. But as long as you know it, you can play the game. So, yep. so yeah, I actually didn't know that. So I just kind of messed around with the game a little bit on my first yeah, playthrough. Uh. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had a hard time with this the first time I played this before I read the manual. Uh, but uh, but yeah, um, it's uh, it's it's interesting that, uh, you know, that 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 they really did just put this expansion pack out as its own game cartridge on the Super Nintendo. Um, what did you what did you think of it? What did you think of of the secret missions? I mean, it, it is more of the same. So if you really like that first Wing Commander, you're probably going to like this, too. Um, this one, I mean, Wing Commander in general is not my genre, really. The the first person space shooting thing is, is definitely not my genre, even on a system that's more capable than I think the Super Nintendo would be of doing that kind of game. Um, I still think that the production here is really, really slick. This game has a cinematic quality that we don't see very often on the Super Nintendo. It's very well presented. Um, it makes me wish that maybe they had... Uh, tried to do maybe like a more Star Foxy sort of gameplay with this one just for the sake of putting it out on the Super Nintendo and left everything else the way it is. But I, I know that probably would have been an insane amount of work for a port that was probably never going to do nearly as well as its PC counterparts. No. Um, it, it's more evidence to the whole argument that this is probably not the way you want to play this game. If, if you're going to look up old school Wing Commander, um, you probably want to play it on the Amiga or something like that. And and again, I mean, this is like a game that was pretty, I mean, not, not super old, but kind of old by the time it came out on the Super Nintendo, which it does make it much more impressive to think about in its original context. Like the, the Amiga was uh, in some ways very much ahead of its time graphics wise. Um, so, you know, maybe playing it on that is, uh, you know, just gives you more context for like where games were at the time and just how much of a leap forward this was, uh, when compared to a lot of its contemporaries. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, this is a 1990 game, uh, that is, is, you know, now here on the super Nintendo, uh, well, I guess originally in, uh, original wing commander came out on the super Nintendo in 92, right? Um, or was that, uh, I believe so. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So, you know, 90, 90 for original wing commander, I think 91 for the secret missions. And then, uh, you know, this game is, is sort of following that release schedule where it's a couple years later. Um, it looks good. It, uh, you know, it is, it is playable. Um, you know, fundamentally, uh, you know, as long as you know what you're doing. But yeah, I agree with you that this is really not the way you want to play this game. Uh, it's still pretty awkward. And, uh, you know, I think I, I kind of wish I had gone back. I, I wouldn't will confess I did not go back and try uh, the first original Wing Commander um, Super Nintendo version. I uh, to compare it to the secret missions, but I feel like it's possible the ships 
Uh, the enemy ships specifically are a little bit more legible in this. Like maybe they like shifted the colors a little bit to make them pop against the black backgrounds a little better. That was a real problem of mine in the original game was just not really being able to see what I was firing at very well. I didn't have that problem so much here. And I don't know if that's just me being, you know, a little bit a little bit more willing to take the game on its own terms this time or whether they did actually do something, but I didn't, I didn't have as big of a problem with that, but I do still come away from this feeling like, you know, this is a worthwhile game. This is a thing that, you know, if you have an interest in this genre of games or just the history of, of, you know, of, of games as a whole, you, you should probably go back and, and check this out, but maybe not the Super Nintendo version. So yeah, it, it's sort of a, a damned if you do damned if you don't kind of thing. Cause yeah. you know, like I said, I think if they had changed up the gameplay here to make this a different kind of game, like a, like a, an on rails um, third person space shooter that would have been maybe more suited to the Super Nintendo. Um, you know, you, you'd have had a very different game and I don't know if that would have had the same appeal to, you know, your core wing commander audience, but I also don't know if your core Wing Commander audience was itching to play this on a Super Nintendo back in the day. So, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe it would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't maybe. have. Maybe. I mean, I guess the other thing you, you kind of have to think is that it isn't really a given that anybody would have a PC that can play this game back in the day. You know, co computers were well, yeah, computers yeah. were rare. I could definitely see a situation because you saw this a lot. I think I personally saw this a lot more with Doom, where you would have like a friend or a relative that had a computer that could run the game and you would see mm -hmm. it there and you would be like, Oh, that's really cool. I want to play that at home. But your parents were years away from actually getting a computer. So, you know, when you see the version of it that, you know, it's, it's coming out for the much more, available game system that you own, you want to play it regardless of whether it's going to be like a good version or not. So in that respect, I think historically yeah. it makes sense for something like this to be on the Super Nintendo, even if it's not great. But I think if you're going back and playing it now, you probably don't need to mess with this version because the situation now is not is not that one, you know? Yeah, and I think that was basically our argument for the first game as well, which is in the D tier, uh, basically because, like, it's it's a, a, a valiant effort for the Super Nintendo, but I just don't think this game works yeah. all that yeah. well on that system. And, you know, it, you're just going to want to play a more complete, faithful, you know, to the original vision version of this mm -hmm. game which you've got yeah. to find on like you know an old um pc emulator or something like that so yeah yeah so yeah do we do we think this one belongs in the d tier as well or do you think it maybe belongs in a in a higher tier than that i honestly think it might because i think this is just wing commander right like this isn't any different from original wing commander it's you know the main difference is this new story which we didn't really talk about but it does have a new storyline uh that is structured a little differently than than the original one uh where the original one had like some branching paths and stuff this one evidently does not it's one story all the way through but it does change up a little bit if you fail some missions um and the story in this one is more or less kind of the Kilrothy, the the you know alien cat species you're you're fighting have essentially a Death Star now, so you yeah. are trying to stop it. Um, but I I think honestly 
having played it again and gotten a little more to grips with how it plays, I might. I, so I think this goes right with original Wing Commander. I think maybe I would kind of advocate to move Wing Commander and the secret missions into the C tier instead of the D tier, because I think they are more playable than we gave them credit for originally. Okay, you know, even if, I, I, yeah. think, I think I'm okay with that. I think my big problem with the Wing Commander series is that my biggest problem with it is that this is just not my genre that I've got a yeah. lot of interest or or uh, sure uh, sure aptitude for you. Yeah, so, but yeah, yeah I ha- I struggle to call these actually bad. I just think these are like suboptimal ways to play this. So, yeah, you know, I I so, think that's I think that's fair. So yeah, yeah, I'm okay with moving Wing Commander original flavor up to C, and we'll put um, Wing Commander: The Secret Missions right next to it. Yep, that's that's what I would recommend. So if you're cool with that, that's what we're going to so do. So congratulations, Wing Commander, the secret missions uh, uh, impressed us so much. You've retroactively elevated the status of your predecessor as well. Yep, uh, you've been promoted. Congrats. Yep. Yeah, well done. Um, so there we go. So that's uh, Wing Commander. And now we are going to dock our spaceships and we are going to get into our time machines, apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's uh, that's a, that's a weirdly unnecessary conceit for this next game to have. I it, feel like it kind of is. But um, yeah, let's talk about some world heroes. a fighting game from SNK. And uh, what do we got what have we got going on with World Heroes? What's the story here? So uh, yeah, World Heroes uh, does come to us from SNK, but actually they also come to us from developer ADK, Alpha Denshi Corporation, which was founded in 1980 um, and went bankrupt sometime in the early 2000s. World Heroes uh, is a franchise is probably their best known work and most enduring legacy, such that it is. Uh, ADK started life as a company producing audio and telecommunications equipment, but uh, seemed to have shifted pretty quickly into arcade games as their first two games were released the same year they were founded. Uh, those games were uh, arcade games, uh, Tekan's Soji, uh, Soji being a Japanese game similar to chess, and a game called Dorachan. Uh, couldn't find much information about Dorachan because um, uh, it was recalled very quickly due to the fact that it was a Doramon game that ADK failed to actually secure the license for. Oh, so, no, um, you got to do that. You got to yeah, do that. Yeah, whoops. Oops. It's like a, a precursor to the, the modern um, Kickstarter. Like, what? I need to get the rights to a thing before I start paying for a game? That doesn't seem right. Uh, anyway, uh, they'd have a bit more luck a year later with the release of Jan Pewter, which uh, several sites credit as the first proper electronic Mahjong game. Oh, uh, wow. That's important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this and a few other games like the Maze Chase Crush Roller would lead to some notoriety in a partnership with Sega, working on several sports games that Sega would publish. By the late 80s, though, ADK would partner with SNK, and uh, throughout the 90s, ADK would end up publishing more games than any other developer for SNK's Neo Geo hardware, with the exception of SNK themselves, of course. Um, Now, I don't know if World Heroes was ADK's most popular SNK title, but it's 
the only one that would get multiple revisions and sequels. Uh, the original World Heroes takes obvious inspiration from Street Fighter 2, uh, but the game wouldn't just assemble its roster. Yeah, this game doesn't just assemble its roster from across the world, though, but throughout time. Interesting to note, uh, Time Killers came out the same year as World Heroes, but so I, I don't, or the same year, so I don't actually know which one came out first, or if you could say that one took notes from the other, but, um, yeah, I was not expecting the time travel conceit with a game called World Heroes. You think they'd have called it Time Heroes yeah, or something? But. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. We've assembled all these heroes from across the world. Okay, that's interesting. And time. Whoa, okay, really buried the lead there. Uh, um, anyway, uh, unfortunately, uh, while it was one of ADK's more popular titles, it paled in comparison to Street Fighter or SNK's own plethora of fight fighting franchises. Uh, the company would form a spin-off label to publish on other non-SNK platforms, but it couldn't save them from, from bankruptcy. ADK's IP would get picked up by SNK Playmore, the company that remained after SNK's own bankruptcy a few years prior. Uh, to my knowledge, not much has been done with those IP, other than a few re-releases. Uh, a World Heroes Anthology released in 2008 for the PS2, but it didn't leave Japan. A few World Heroes characters have appeared in other fighting games like Neo Geo Battle Coliseum and SNK Heroines Tag Team Frenzy. Uh, but for the most part, World Heroes and ADK as a whole lay dormant. Well, uh, that's kind of a shame, honestly, because I think this is a pretty good fighting game. Um, I think it, you know, much like what I said the very last episode, it feels like a game that really does take, you know, tremendous inspiration from from uh, Street Fighter 2. It feels like it is fully made in the mold of that game. Uh, but I think it has a, a fun, colorful cast of characters. Uh, I think it plays well. And yeah, I had a good time with this. Yeah, I, I think it's all right. Um, I don't know that I think this one uh, is quite as enjoyable as Jalico's um, Tough Enough. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I, that's I ha fair. I don't know that it plays quite as well. Yeah, certainly not. I mean, I ended up kind of having to compare the two because they are by far the it, most right? we just played it yeah well i mean we just played it and i think they are both by far the most capable fighting games that aren't street fighter 2 that we've For played sure, on yeah. the system um yeah presentation wise i think this game definitely has a, a, a lot more going on than tough enough did yeah better character designs better stages um but yeah yeah but i think this one maybe copies a little bit too much from street fighter I agree. It is very much a Street Fighter clone. Yeah, and that's not a great place to be in when you are not Street Fighter 2. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. You got to do something to differentiate yourself. And this game kind of really doesn't like even even the like choices made with like the aesthetics uh, where, you know, you would think that maybe the time travel element would give it a little bit of something different. Not really. Like, I don't think that if, if you didn't know that was the thing, nothing here screams like, oh, yeah, these are all people from different eras. Yeah. In, in a way, I almost don't know why they decided to go with the time travel mechanic, other than the fact that it gave them an excuse to have not Doc Brown, whom they actually called Dr. Brown, by the way, uh, uh, introduce the game. Um, yeah, it, none of it really feels all that necessary, uh, especially, you know, again, to compare this to another fighting game, I think time killers did the whole people from different periods of time 
shtick way better than this game does. This game kind of borrows a lot from a lot of other games of, you know, this this era. Um, you know, we've, we've got our, our time-traveling heroes, just like Time Killer. Uh, we've got, you know, globe-trotting like Street Fighter. We've got uh, a shape-shifting final boss like Mortal Kombat, uh, who's Liquid Metal, second Liquid Metal guy I think we've had in a fighting game uh, up to this point. Yeah, well, that's right, yeah. That's going to be a pretty popular thing in fighting games going forward, Liquid Metal Final <laughs> Boss. Uh, yes. The the longtime final boss in Virtua Fighter is is a Liquid Metal person. Yep, yeah, so, uh, Ter- Terminator uh, 2 had a, a lot of impact on the culture. It, it sure <laughs> did, tell you what. Yeah, like that time travel gimmick, like that doesn't really add much to this, right? Like it, it pretty much just is the same, uh, you know, kind of, you know, spread of characters that you get in something like a Street Fighter 2 where they're just wacky people from all over the world. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, you got your, you know, you got a few things that this gives you. I mean, you do get a, a couple of historical figures like Rasputin is in here. You've got, uh, you know, a a. Uh, German cyborg, who I assume is from the future. Uh, and you've got uh, a guy who's basically Genghis Khan, even though he does, he isn't called that. So that's a little, a little yeah, odd. Yeah, c- couldn't, couldn't get but, the rights yeah. to Genghis Khan, unfortunately. No, yeah. Genghis Khan somehow still not in the public domain. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they really they really got those rights locked down to, to <laughs> yes, old Genghis. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's... Um, it's a little odd that they went with that choice just because they didn't really go that hard on it. Like, I mean, Time Killers, I haven't really played much of, but I feel like Time Killers goes a lot harder on emphasizing the time travel a- aspect uh, for, for how its fighters came to all be in the same yeah, place. Yeah, and, and it does more with it. Like, its fighters are more distinctly from a particular place in time. Like in this game, like could Rasputin just be a modern day, you know, dude who dabbles in magic could, uh, uh, you know, German M. Bison inspector gadget be a guy with just like advanced technology that is hidden from the rest of the world for some reason. Like, is there a good reason for it? Well, like it's a competent game, but it just plays a lot like Street Fighter. It doesn't really have much in the way of its own gimmicks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very samey. And I mean, you know, while you can definitely say that like Tough Enough was also a game that borrowed a lot from Street Fighter, it felt like it had its own um, identity that uh, I, I think was unique. Um, you know, it was the, yeah. the post-apocalyptic fighting game. Yeah, I mean, definitely going in that more kind of like, uh, I don't know, Fist of the North Star-ish direction yeah. that did give that game its own aesthetic that was specific to yes. it. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Where this one just feels like it's not Street Fighter and not as good as Street Fighter. and Yeah, yeah which is a tough place to be in. Yeah. Because uh, when you're comparing yourself to the very best fighting game you're not probably going to look that great even if you're fine which this game is fine you know it's got lots of difficulty settings the ai is virtually unresponsive on lower difficulty settings and really cheap on the higher difficulty Mm -hmm. settings um you know i played through it with a couple of different characters they were pretty fun to use there's 
absolutely nothing wrong with the way this plays. But yeah, it's I don't know. Like, I guess I like that the roster, the immediately available roster is bigger than tough enoughs. But yeah, it doesn't really play quite as as well as as interestingly as as that game. Did. Yeah, so. yeah. Also, OK, this is a little bit of a side note here, and, and this is absolutely me going off on my woke BS. But yeah, I just sure. want to say something I really don't like about fighting games of this era. Um, yeah. There's always like one girl and she's always a teenager yep. inexplicably. Like the guys always get to be, you know, like young adults. The girls are always like 19 uh-huh. and their losing portraits are always them crying instead of just getting, you know, having been beaten like the rest of the guys. Like, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel you there. I do. Yeah. Like, why couldn't she be like, you know, 25 or something like the the Ryu ripoff guy in this is. Yeah. Right. Who, you exactly. know, and why couldn't she just have like, you know, her looking like angry as, as her, her losing portrait. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is pretty normal for guys in these games. So yeah, no legit, legit. I think she has some kind of fun. Uh, she has some kind of fun win quotes. Uh, Jean does, mm-hmm. uh, or Janae or whatever. Yeah. Her, she's, she's, she's Joan of Arc basically. Yes, yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, uh, she has one that's like, you know, uh, what was that about my place being in the kitchen? You know, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Her, yeah. That's one of her win co- quotes, which is pretty fun. Uh, so, you know, this is not yeah. me saying that like these games are uniquely problematic or that like, you know, this is setting back no. feminism, you know, 25 years or something. It's just something that it's I noticed kinda, that I don't like. It just, I mean, it just kind of sucks that there's not, you know, uh, any variety like this is like the way it is in, in almost all of these yeah. games in, in my experience. So, yeah, it's worth it's worth pointing out. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not yeah, trying to say you're like, a bad um, person for liking the game just because it's got this stuff in it. OK, yeah. everyone. All right. But but yeah, like, um, yeah, it's a very standard fighting game roster, I think, is is sort of what we're yeah. what we're saying here. So uh, but, you know, it's yes. colorful. Yeah. It has good animation, good character designs. I like some of the backgrounds, the stage, the stages a lot. Uh, it just, um, you know, is not this is not a, a tremendously ambitious game. Yeah. In, in any yeah. Way. I mean, production wise, it does have that going over. Uh, it does have that going on over tough enough. It's definitely it's much more yeah. colorful, much more variety of backgrounds. That stuff is cool. I do like that. Uh, music's pretty For good. Sure, yeah. Um, music's pretty good. Yeah. 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 So I think we'll see one other iteration of this game before we're done with the Super okay. Nintendo library. I don't think they all came out on the Super Nintendo. I think we'll see like, um, World Heroes 2, maybe World Heroes 2 Jet, but I, I'm yeah. fairly certain World Heroes Perfect never came out on the Super Nintendo. I'm pretty sure, I, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that SNK stuff, SNK published stuff is going to be kind of thin on the ground going forward, given that even though it was a really weird machine, SNK did have their own home machine. Yeah. So, you know, um, not one that was like at all accessible to to you know yeah like the vast majority of people buying video games back then but it did exist so i i think we're not going to see that many snk things going forward yeah probably not but but we will get one more world heroes yeah so you know we, we've talked about this um you know we've compared it to tough enough a lot which yep is right now sitting comfortably in the b tier now yeah. obviously if we were ranking these i personally would would say this goes below tough enough but yes. 
uh, is the que- I guess the question is, is it still good enough to be a B tier game or does this fall into the C tier, you think? Well, I mean, it has some different strengths, even though I think it's not as interesting a game as tough enough in a lot of ways. Uh, it does have some strengths that that game didn't have. Like, I do like the bigger out, out of the gate roster. I do think that it's pretty, even though it's like the, the aesthetic choices aren't that creative, I think they're pretty well done. So I think, yeah, if we were, if we were doing a numerical ranking, probably it would go below tough enough for me pretty easily. I do still think this is fundamentally kind of a B tier game. Okay. I'm all right with that. So we will put this into the B tier uh, with Tough Enough. I was just looking through the C tier to see if we had any other fighting games there. I don't think we do. I think all the other fighting yeah, games that aren't Street Fighter have just been that bad. Feast or Famine, baby. Feast yeah. or Famine. No, these, this game is definitely in a, a new, you know, it's representing kind of like a, a new category for us on the Super Nintendo, which is fighting games that are okay. <laughs> yeah, <know>? finally. <laughs> finally. Yeah, they're not terrible. They're not incredible but they're fine. You will not have a bad time if you decide to play uh, World Heroes or Tough Enough with with your friends over the over the long weekend. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, we will. Uh, uh, so so congratulations, World Heroes. B tier. We will see uh, how the sequel, which which I mean, is really just like a revision. It's it's basically World yeah, Heroes again, yeah. but with more characters and a, and a few more. Uh-huh bells and whistles but uh, we will see how that goes later yep um but for now we have one game left and oh boy this is a this is a real good one folks i'm i've been excited to talk about this one for a while yeah uh, and i see i see why having played it uh this is zombies ate my neighbors tell us all about zombies ate my neighbors Uh, uh, as, as we uh, talked about at the beginning of this episode, sometimes zombies will eat your neighbors. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, this game comes to us from Lucas Arts, uh, which has a very interesting origin, as most of you listening probably already know. Uh, it was founded by George Lucas in 1982, spinning off from Lucasfilm's computer division to form Lucasfilm Games, which you know obviously would later get changed to Lucas Arts. Uh, At the time of its founding, Atari had already acquired the Star Wars license from Lucasfilm for the purposes of creating video games based on the movies. So, somewhat ironically, in LucasArts' first few years as a video game company, they did not have access to the most famous film series created by its parent company. Um, However, some might say uh, that that was a good thing, including uh, former LucasArts employee Ron Gilbert, who would later say something to the effect of that... um, if they had Star Wars when they first started out, it's really unlikely that a lot of their original IP would have ever been made. Um, and it's it, and we are all fortunate that that original IP got made. Uh, a lot of Lu- early LucasArts games uh, would be released in the 80s for various popular computer systems, Amstrad, CPC, Apple II, Atari computers. You, you know the drill at this point. Um those games would be titles like Coronas Rift and Rescue on Fractalus, a pair of sci-fi games featuring first-person perspectives and fractal graphics. In 1987, LucasArts would release Maniac Mansion, a point-and-click adventure game which utilized a game engine that they would end up calling Scum. 
script creation utility for Maniac Mansion, and that would end up being used in many other LucasArts adventure games like Monkey Island, Full Throttle, Sam and Max, and some other games based on Indiana Jones. While becoming well-known and well-regarded for their point-and-click adventures, they would also eventually end up making Star Wars games once the rights reverted back to Lucas. Uh, the Super Star Wars trilogy, that we uh, one game of which we've already talked about here, uh, was made by the studio. They'd also make Star Wars PC games like the Space Combat Sim X-Wing and the first-person shooter Star Wars Dark Forces. Unfortunately, as the 2000s started, LucasArts was showing signs of decline. Some of their original titles, notably 1998's Grim Fandango, suffered disappointing sales, and the company began to rely more and more heavily on Star Wars. Some of these were successful, like Knights of the Old Republic, and others less so, like Knights of the Old Republic 2. By the time they were working on 2008's The Force Unleashed, the company suffered many layoffs and were outsourcing a lot of their development. Uh, with Disney buying Lucasfilms in 2012, LucasArts came under the Disney umbrella and the studio was shuttered a year later, leaving LucasArts a small publisher and nothing more. Fortunately, the LucasArts IP live on. For example, a compilation of Zombies Ate My Neighbors and its sequel, Ghoul Patrol, were released on modern systems just last year, or, uh, well, by the time you're listening to this two years ago, 2021, and uh, uh, just this past year, 2022, a new installment in the Monkey Island series was released. Uh, while LucasArts may no longer be a developer, their legacy will live on, and uh, uh, certainly uh, faring better than uh, 80K's IPs. Yeah, it's certainly and true. That's pretty much all I got. Yeah, um, and yeah, uh, that's that's a great summary. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, there are some real hallmarks of, I think, uh, Lucas, Lucasfilm games and LucasArts around this time, you know, that kind of golden era of all these like legendary point and click games. And even though this is not a point and click game, Zombies Ain't My Neighbors still has uh, all of that kind of, you know, gentle, good humor, personality, uh, great graphics and sound. It's a really charming game. And I think that that even though this is in a radically different genre than what most people tend to associate with LucasArts, uh, really kind of, you know, connects it to, to that lineage to me. So, yeah. And, you know, going back to Wing Commander, this is the sort of thing I'm talking about. You know, like, they could have released a point-and-click adventure on the Super Nintendo. I mean, in fact, they, they released Maniac Mansion. On the NES, yeah. There's an NES version of Maniac Mansion. Uh, and, yeah, this game, uh, Zombies in My Neighbors, this is a, a Super Nintendo original, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Um, I. It, yeah. Yeah, I think this only came out on the Super Nintendo. I, I might need to double-check that. Yeah, but. and you can tell, like, this feels... No, this feels this, this feels very appropriate to the platform. Like it's like, you know, how can we take the things that we are like kind of known for and put this into a form that will be very palatable to the people playing games on this system. So, uh yeah, I I had not played this game before. I this one, I don't know why. Uh, I just missed back in the day. Uh, never, never played it. I, I'm sure I heard about it, uh, but I didn't know anybody who had it and uh, it never occurred to me to rent it. So, yeah, uh, booting it up for, for this show is the first time I had done that. And uh, yeah, I really like this game. Uh, I think it's really fun. It has all those good things about it that I mentioned before. And uh, yeah, I think that in terms of being a, a kind of like uh, top-down shooter on the Super Nintendo. Uh, I do not think we have played a better one. Yeah. Um, I actually did have this back in the day. I, uh, I acquired this game um, 
through a very weird circumstance in which this game came with the van my parents bought. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, the the van, it, it had a, a TV, VCR, and Super Nintendo uh, in the sick. back. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And um, randomly, they, there was just a copy of Zombies Ate My Neighbors in that SNES when we bought right, it. And, cool. Um, and yeah, it turns out, oh, hey, this this game's really great. Um, it also uh, happened to be co-op, so it ended up being a perfect game for road trips. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think Also, uh, a, a quick, sorry, quick correction. Um, this game did come out on the Genesis oh, as come, well. Yeah, so but I it wasn't a PC yeah. game originally, I guess is what Correct. I was, yes, what I was yeah, trying was to say. I, I shouldn't have said Super Nintendo. I should have said console uh, original, but... Uh, but yeah, so, um, and we did talk about what this game is like aesthetically a little bit, actually, when we talked about the Nintendo power issue for, uh, for this last month, because the comic, the Nestor comic was about this one, but, uh, yeah, it's a top-down shooter. You got two cool kids named Zeke and Julie who are trying to stop not just zombies, but any, various kinds of horror movie monsters from uh, from attacking the town and killing their neighbors in a variety of different settings. You have all kinds of different fun kind of kid appropriate weapons like squirt guns and soda pop cans and uh, weed killer and uh, just a bazooka for some reason. I'm not really sure how that fits into this whole thing. Uh, but you you explore around these levels. Uh, you are supposed to be trying to uh, rescue various civilians that have different kind of point totals associated with them. Uh, you get the most for rescuing cheerleaders, the least, I think, for rescuing the mean teachers. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and, and even just in like the first few levels of this game, you see quite a bit of different uh, variety uh, to the levels. Uh, I really loved it when in the third level, a chainsaw wielding maniac burst through the hedge maze I was in and chased me. Uh, and uh, that's really cool that they were they're changing it up that that quickly into this game. So. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool it, stuff. It, yeah. Yeah. And this game's got a lot going on. Like there's a lot of variety in the weapons. Uh, a lot of the weapons are callbacks to, you know, horror movie tropes like you'll find silverware to take out werewolves. Uh, yeah. the, the fire extinguishers will take out the blobs. Um, so you got a lot of that stuff going on. Uh, a lot of secrets. The bazookas are really good for not only busting through walls, but also uncovering secret areas. Um, one of which is found in the very first level, and you have to be lucky enough to get the bazooka from a random drop from one of the trash cans or cabinets. But if you get it, you end up in a secret level where you are fighting tentacles from <laughs> Day of the Tentacle, another LucasArts nice. game. That's very cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And like there are a lot of secrets in this. There's uh, there's keys you can get to open locked doors that usually have extra extra weapons and, and things in them. There's fun uh, potions you can get that will transform you into a big monster for a little bit of time. And uh, yeah, just lots of cool, cool kind of surprises in this game. So and of course, the whole thing is wrapped up in this very fun, cartoony, like B-movie aesthetic, which uh, I just love. I think it's great. Yeah, it, this is a great like Halloween game for kids because um, I mean, it's going to be fun to play no matter how old you are. And I would actually say this game does get pretty difficult, so it might be frustrating for some younger players. But um, it, it is a lot of fun. It's It's got, you know, a lot of, 
you know, classic monster tropes, but it's cartoony enough that it isn't outright scary. It's got good Halloween vibes without being like a horror game, so to speak. So, um, yeah, a lot of cool stuff and, um, a, a neat mechanic with the, uh, with the, the neighbors. So, uh, ostensibly what you're trying to do is, is find all of your neighbors before any of the monsters get to them. And if a monster gets to one, you will hear a, a blood curdling scream as they are, uh, 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 shuffled off this mortal coil. And when you lose a neighbor, you will then have one fewer neighbor to, uh, rescue in subsequent levels. And if you lose them all, it's an instant game over. Um, you do get a bonus neighbor, uh, for every so many points that you receive. So you can start getting some neighbors back if you can get through the game. Uh, um, if you can score enough points to, uh, to start earning some of them back and retrieve them in the levels before it's too late. Um, this game did suffer a little bit of censorship um, over here. The game over screen uh, it was supposed to be uh, blood dripping down, forming the the words "game over," but they ended up changing it to "purple slime." Um, the game was censored even more in Europe, where it was actually just called "zombies" and not "zombies ate my neighbors." And the uh, aforementioned chainsaw wielding maniacs were turned into lumberjacks with axes <laughs> instead of chainsaws. That's that's pretty funny. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they make those decisions. Like, didn't Splatterhouse come out over there? That's the game where you are the the Jason guy. So, I don't know. Very mysterious. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, those Europeans, they're all terrified of their video nasties. So, what you gonna do, really? This is a really fun game. Like I said, it does get very difficult. There's a password system where you get a new password every so many levels, but honestly, it won't do you much good because you really need to start from the beginning so that you can collect your arsenal over uh, you know, over the, the many levels that this game has. Um, this game also does an interesting thing where instead of having end credits, it's just got another level where you're walking around fighting monsters and talking to the people who made the game and they are telling you who they are. That's super cool. I like that a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of just like really classic LucasArts zaniness going on here that I absolutely adore. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I had a great time with this. I'm very glad I finally played it. And uh, yeah, it super lived up to the hype for me. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I recommend this game heartily. Yeah. And again, um, co-op. So you can play uh, two player co-op at the same time. Yeah. I, I think the screen splits when the two characters get uh, far enough away from each other that they can't be on the same screen. So cool. uh, you're not even confined to one place. It, it's neat. Okay. Yeah, that is neat. That's very cool. Um, with that, I, I'm not sure I've got much else to say. I, I think we managed to cover it all pretty quickly here, but it's a, I, it's a splendid game. Yeah. Uh, really good, really good game. And yeah, I think the only thing left to do is, uh, is, uh, is put it on the list. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I'm looking at the A tier for this one. Oh, so me too, I think for we're sure. We're, we're going to have to rank it. Um, yeah, I think we actually are going to have to rank it. And uh, yeah, I'm looking pretty high on this list. We're So as the longtime fan of this, where do you think you would put it uh, on, on the list, on the A tier ranked list? Ooh, um, I might actually put this one in the top 10. I, All right. I might put this one as high as maybe Soul uh, above Soul Blazer. You know, you it's funny you say that. That is exactly where I was going to put it. Between <laughs> Soul Blazer and TMNT 4 Turtles in Time, 
uh, that is that is genuinely exactly where I was looking at putting this game. Okay, so this is going to be our new number eight. I think this is going to be our new number eight uh, above Soul Blazer. Really good company. Very near the Lost Vikings and Super Castlevania four. Uh, both games. I think this has a little bit of of commonality with. So, yeah, uh, I uh, yeah, very, very happy to uh, to put it to inaugurate a new game into into the top 10 Super Nintendo games. All right. Well, uh, congratulations, then. Zombies ate my neighbors. New number eight. Uh, well earned, I would say. Um, yeah, if, if you haven't played this one, this one is definitely worth tracking down. Um, like I said, like the the compilation of this and its sequel were released on modern systems uh, not all that long ago. So you might be able to pick that up digitally on whatever console you happen to have now. Um, but, you know, even if you don't, uh, you know, there's, there's ways, ways, you know, there's some ways. way or another, you can, I'm sure, figure out some way to play it. And um, oh, uh, also, uh, go play that new Monkey Island game. It's great. Even if you are not the biggest fan of point and click adventure games, still play that one. It's awesome. I will have to check that one out. All right. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it. And I think that is going to bring this episode and uh, no, not October, September, September, yeah, 1993 to a close. And um, yeah, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, This is probably going to be the first episode of 2023. So we'll see you later in January 2023 with uh, our playing with power episode talking about uh, the October 1993 issue. All right. Well, that'll be great. Uh, I'm very excited to be doing another one of those. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to finish out September on such a high note. Uh, So yeah, uh, until next time, uh, this has been Emmy Zero. And I am Chase Keys. And uh, play it loud. intro outro song is how now brown cow by techno axe who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty free at technoaxe.com that's t-e-k-n-o-a-x-e.com